0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Our show presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Got a good show lined up for you. ABC 3340 News Director, Sports Director. Jeff Speaker will be with us at the bottom of the hour in the next hour. Uh, we'll be joined by Mark Heim, who has a really interesting story on AL.com. But first, we just heard from James Spann, weatherman extraordinaire. We all know it's hot, 100, I guess the heat index might be close to 115, something like that today. But y'all are really lucky to have me here in the first segment. Let me tell you why. You know, Lars knows my sweet wife and uh, Karen, and certainly Justin is aware. But uh, last night, she bought this huge bowl a uh, fresh-cut watermelon. And I was in there right before the show, and I saw that, broke into it, opened it up, and I had to literally force myself to put it back in the refrigerator. Is there a better hot, humid, summer food than watermelon? In fact, I, I'll be back in a minute.
2: <laughs> no, there isn't. D- do you put salt on your watermelon?
1: No. If it's not good enough... If it's, if it's a really mediocre watermelon, I will. But a watermelon should be good, fresh, fruitful. Uh, so, no, I don't,
2: and I don't put it on cantaloupe or anything else. Do you? Absolutely not. I just, uh, I know a lot of people do. Uh, my father did. My father put salt on everything. I've told you that he, he put salt in his beer. Like, he would put, like, half a shaker, a shaker of salt in his beer. I don't
1: understand that either. Uh, Justin, jump in here. You a watermelon guy?
3: Uh, oh, big course. time. I could I could take half a watermelon, a whole one even, and a spoon, and I could clear that thing out wow. in like 30 minutes.
1: Yep. That's why y'all are lucky that I'm here. And maybe you're unlucky that I'm here. Maybe I should still be in the kitchen eating that watermelon. But it was absolutely delicious and so refreshing because it is
2: absolutely so hot. What else did your father put salt on? Oh, uh, I think like his... His hamburger, his hot dog. Uh, I mean, I think his, well, even after a steak has been flavored and cooked, I think he would add a little salt on that. Basically, if it was food, he was going to put salt on it. Did he put salt on ice cream? uh, That I don't know. There's actually a lot of salt in ice cream. Uh, Oh, yeah. Um, My mom used to make homemade ice cream And I loved it And I was always surprised at how much salt went into it But, um, yeah It's like uh, cake
1: when you put eggs and salt into it And you're watching your mom cook it And you're going, how does it end up tasting like that?
2: Yeah Um, Well, last night I uh, attempted to watch Swamp Kings on Netflix And I gotta tell you It's 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 really bad. It's just really bad. It's a promotional video for the Florida football program. I mean, really? that's, uh, it, it is, it, you know, the bar was set so high with The Last Dance, right? Uh, and, uh, and that sort of just uh, uh, made us rethink how good, sports documentaries can be. And I know years ago you remember Hoop Dreams um yeah. when uh, two producers, two guys uh basically followed around two uh young kids for I don't know what 6 to 8 years in in Chicago. Um last name was AG, one of them was uh, Arthur, but um I did a story on them a long time ago, but uh, it was just, it was amazing. Just the amount of time and effort that they put into Hoop Dreams, and to me, that that was that's the gold standard. Uh, and I think The Last Dance was in that vein, right? They, they I, I had no idea in The Last Dance that all this behind the scenes footage uh, existed, and in that uh, in that doc. It revealed a side—and this is the unbelievable thing—it revealed a side of Michael Jordan that we didn't know existed. We knew he we was competitive. We thought
1: we knew him like a family yeah,
2: member. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I thought we knew absolutely everything there was to know about Michael Jordan. Turns out we didn't. We did not know how demanding he was and just how competitive he was and and how sometimes cruel he could be because someone wasn't living up to his expectations— and, but that whole franchise and those, that run of winning six championships, it was all because of Michael Jordan. I mean, and, and he was the one that was almost like the coach of the team. And, and yes, uh, uh, Phil was, was great and, uh, and, you know, was a, obviously played a huge role, but it, everything is about Michael Jordan. Well, Then, you know, we just had the Johnny Manziel untold Netflix documentary. Which you gave an A. No, I did not. No. I Uh, thought you really liked it. uh, I I liked parts of it, but it was was so rushed and uh, so many things were left out. It's just like, oh, in passing, he says he tried to commit suicide. And then that's it. There's not a deeper dive into. Wait a minute, Boy, what 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 caused your depression here? And 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 also they give about three minutes to his NFL career, and then well, that's about this, all it was. What? And then you know he admits that he's got you know substance abuse issues, alcohol issues, and the doc ends with him hanging out with friends, drinking beer. You know, and it's just, it's just really it was just weird. It was weird. And it felt incomplete, uh, a lot of holes in it. Um, and I think uh, the, the producer, uh, I hate to say it, I just didn't do a good job, right? And I mean, I've and I've worked, the, the one time I did a documentary, right? I co-wrote a documentary and I did a lot of interviews uh, for a Showtime documentary on Lawrence Phillips. Um, I worked with Ross Greenberg, who was a former head of HBO Sports, and I got to see firsthand, like, what a pro looks like, you know? Pro's pro. And it was hard for us to jam everything we did into, uh, like, 93 minutes, but but Ross was able to do it. And then uh, Armin Katayan and I uh, uh, wrote it together, uh, wrote the copy and going back and forth. And Armin really taught me a lot about, what it's like to write for television or write for a documentary and just how different it is than writing, you know, a, a magazine piece or a book. Um, and uh, and it, did, it did really well and I felt like we did a really good job, all, all of us collectively. And really one of the stars of the documentary was Nick Saban. He just jumps off the camera at you. And I uh, remember when I interviewed him uh, down in Tuscaloosa on Lawrence, um, you know, I could tell he didn't want to be, he didn't really, he agreed to do it, but he didn't want to be there, didn't want to be there, then boom. Once the camera comes on, he just came alive, you know? And it, I don't know if you've had that experience with different subjects, Matt, but like Nick Saban could just do that. Um, and I think he does that pretty much all the time. But, um, but this documentary on Florida is it, just so bad. Uh, it needed to be fact-checked. It glosses over uh, the off-the-field issues, and uh, I don't think it really digs deep into Urban Meyer, doesn't dig deep into uh, uh, his relationship with Shelly Meyer, uh, and just, uh, it, it, again, it just came off as a, as a PR stunt. And uh, and I I I didn't care for it at all. And and I think and Tim Tebow said some inaccurate things, uh, especially when it came to Alabama. Especially when it came to Alabama, Um, you know. uh, I think in in the crying game wasn't uh, I think Florida was one and Alabama was two, right? In the SEC. The movie or Tim Tebow. And T- Tim Tebow in in the, the movie, in in the in the in the documentary
1: in a right turn. Do you ever see the movie The Crying Game?
2: Oh no! <laughs> oh, no.
1: that you want to talk about a documentary? Well, here uh, the reason, in my opinion, Lars, that these documentaries tend to take a certain direction is because the subjects end up with editorial control. That's not a documentary. Excuse me, that's a biography. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And. They won't agree to do it unless they have that, and once you allow that, you lose all your journalistic integrity in most ways. Yeah, I think it was accurate? the
2: yes. I think it was the 2009 SEC championship game that he was talking about. I, I could be wrong, but he was saying, "Oh, Alabama, they they had nothing to lose, and they played like it." Well, wait a minute, Alabama's 12 and 0. Ranked number two in the country, and with a win, they play in the national championship game. What What are you talking about, Tim Tebow? <laughs> like, I don't know. A selective memory, maybe. But,
1: Absolutely, it is. <laughs> oh. uh,
2: yeah. I, it, I wouldn't waste time watching it. I, I feel like I'm not going to be able to get those uh, hours back, but... Uh, so two I, I hours? Just
1: it's like four 30-minute segments? Something like
2: that? Uh, yeah, something like that. All right, I this is Lars Not Watch. Must not watch TV. <laughs> exactly. Go watch. Right. Watch The Last Dance again. That's an amazing documentary.
1: You're listening to Big Noon Sports. I want to get into this story by Mark Heim, and he will be on in an hour uh, about tickets in the University of Alabama. I found it quite interesting. You're listening to Big Noon Big Noon Sports.
0: Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather blistering heat continues for the rest of the week a sunny sky this afternoon the high today near 100 for tonight clear with the low at 78 and tomorrow and Friday lots of sunshine both days highs will stay close to 100 degrees I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 95
4: degrees in Tuscaloosa the best sports talk in Alabama this is big noon sports
1: Indeed it is. Big news sports. Matt, Lars. Justin, how are you today, man? Hadn't really uh, talked to you other than the very, very top of the show. Life good in your world other than just being steamy hot?
3: Yeah, that's about it. Uh, steamy hot. I wish I was out playing some golf, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen today and maybe not the next couple of days.
1: Can it be? Obviously not. It can't be too hot for you to play golf? It...
3: That's a great question. Um, yes, <laughs> there's only so much uh, sunscreen I can put on for me to even be outside in heat like this. So,
2: yeah, well, it's definitely too hot now. I'm embarking on a suicide mission after the show. I, I'm taking my son Lincoln golfing. Uh, we've kind of had this on the books for a couple days, and I don't think his mom's too happy about it, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna give it a go. We're gonna play the the little par three where there's not a tree in sight. So, uh, oh we're, boy, yeah, we're, we're going to be hydrating quite a bit.
1: I've gone out and I've thought this is way too hot to play. But once you get out there, you kind of almost feel like you know, um, you you got to finish. If you if you get off the tee and you get through three or four, then you're going to have to at least finish nine. I've done that. Well,
3: but, you know, Matt, they say it's actually pretty good to play in the heat as well, just because it keeps you loose. It makes I'll it bet. harder for you to tighten up.
1: Yep, I bet it does. Um, but uh, I don't know if I would even take on what Lars is doing today. However, when your son or grandchildren or someone like that's involved, that's a big, big difference. Mark Heim from AL.com and WNSP down in Mobile will be joining us in about an hour. And he'll talk more extensively about this. And I don't know if you two guys have seen the, the article or not, but what team do you think has the most ticket pressure the most wants, according to StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, whatever they are these days, uh, highest ticket demand in the nation. Who is it? Justin, did you read this? I did not read this. Take a um, shot.
3: Okay, uh, football teams, right? Yeah. Yep. I don't think it's
1: Alabama. Is it? Is it uh, LSU? What about you, Lars? You got a shot here?
2: I'll go... I have not seen it either. I'll go Alabama. It is Alabama.
1: <clears throat> and uh, they have a 24% lead over Michigan. I can't even imagine the big house 24%. These numbers don't add up in my mind, in my feeble little brain. So we'll ask Mark Heim about it next hour. But uh, Alabama was number one. What, what game do you think? Uh, has the most demand on Alabama's schedule. Obviously, we're talking about at home.
2: It's got to be Texas.
1: Justin, Justin, you got a guess? Yeah, that that has to be Texas. There's no way. It is. It is Texas. Number two, I'm not going to do this all day long. I'll let you all have one more guess.
2: Mm.
1: Not a guess. LSU. Justin, what do you think? LSU. I'll throw my third bet, and then the next one's Tennessee. All right. According to this, most in-demand ticket games, and I think Mark, what Mark did is he took a combination of uh, the StubHub information and Vivid season and uh, And Texas at Alabama was number one on the Tide schedule. Then it was Tennessee. Not surprised by that. Three surprised me. <coughs> Ole Miss at Alabama. Hmm. And I, it's, I'm surprised at all. She wasn't in the top three. But that's the way it is. By the way, Auburn, just to keep things as even as we can, Auburn had the seventh most ticket demands. So that's just, it's interesting stuff, and it just goes to show you uh, how big-time Alabama football is. And um, we'll see. But uh, I thought that uh, LSU would have been a lot higher. So there is my offer on ticket sales so, or demand.
2: Yeah, I um... – I also – there's a story that caught my eye the other day, and I meant to, uh, to bring it up, and it uh, involves um, – it's USA Today, and it's just a, one of these list stories, but I, I think they actually put some thought into it. It's not purely clickbait of uh, the coaches who are squarely on the hot seat entering 2023. And uh, so it's a it's a list of 10 and um, and uh, seven on last year's list, uh, they did a pretty good job because seven of the 10 on USA Today's list uh, either quit, were fired or left for another job. And the three survivors from the, that purge from that list are Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, uh, Mike Norvell at, Nor- at Florida State. And both of those coaches have done a great job in, in turning around those programs in a very quick way. And uh, Dino Babers at, at Syracuse. So I think they have a little bit of credibility, right? Uh, and they don't really put them in any, in any uh, in, in order. But uh, we'll, uh, I'll just go over a couple of them. <clears throat> and number one here uh, that caught my eye is Mel Tucker at Michigan State um because uh you know they s- certainly appears that they overpaid him they gave him about a, a I think a 77 million dollar contract um and uh in in Michigan State is just they have ever since he got that huge deal uh they mediocre. have they have really fallen off um this one kind of surprised me Eli drinkwitz at Missouri I think you know, media love Eli. The media loves Eli Drinkwitz because he is—he uh, tells the truth, he can deliver a snappy line, and he's enjoyable to be around. Right? But um, the, the Missouri is a decade removed. It's hard to believe it's been that long from being in back-to-back SEC title games. And, um, and and you know, uh, they've just been average, right? And, uh, and I don't know if average really cuts it in the, in the SEC. Um, Brent Venerables, we've talked a lot about him at, at Oklahoma. And uh, well, if if, he
1: got dealt from the bottom of the deck. You know, yes. Fans don't see that. Media doesn't see that necessarily, but we talked about it yesterday with Lincoln Riley what a
2: mess he left that program with.
1: How many did he take with him from from Norman? 30? Yeah. It
2: was just... I mean, he took... I I don't know. I think somewhere in like 10 or so, but it was like 10 of the best players. They're all (laughs) starters. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Venerable's... He's known as a defensive coach, right? And he was a longtime defensive coordinator at Clemson. He had plenty of job opportunities, but he he didn't want to leave Dabo and the the staff there, didn't want to move his family. But then when the Oklahoma job was offered, it was just sort of too good to, to pass up. But ever since he's been there, you know the offense has not been the same right that it was under Lincoln Riley. but also the defense has been a huge issue. Um, last year, um, well one, uh, Texas just absolutely destroyed the Sooners And in the Red River rivalry, I know you're not supposed to call it that anymore, but it, if you if you get beat by your opponent, by a lot, it's it's the equivalent of uh, of losing by a huge margin in the Iron Bowl. Like you're you're gone. I mean, I think that's a big reason why Gene Chizik was fired two years after winning the national championship. I think they, Auburn lost forty nine nothing in Tuscaloosa, and he was fired before the it was wheels down in in in, in Auburn. Uh, but but last year uh, the Oklahoma defense gave up. This is amazing. 225 plays of 10-plus yards, and they gave up a total of 400, 461 yards a game, which ranked 122nd in the NCAA. And so if you're a defensive-minded coach, you, you can't last long. Um, Mike Bloomgreen, they mentioned at Rice I don't really have any comment on that. Uh, I'm sure you you're really up on what's happening at rice. Big uh, owl's
1: guy right here. If you need to know anything about the owls, you come to Matt. <laughs> um,
2: he and Dino Barbers or Babers is on here again from from Syracuse. He's the only uh, repeat performer on <laughs> on the list. Um, and they lost six of their last seven uh, last season. Uh, Butch Jones uh, at Arkansas State he uh surprisingly he's he's really struggled there uh 5 and 19 over the last two seasons and uh if they don't uh, produce more wins uh Butch Jones will be gone and maybe come back to Alabama wasn't he an analyst at Alabama i think he was yes he was yeah um, and, and your buddy, uh, Neil Brown, I think I think you know Brown pretty well, right? Um, Was it
1: Troy now at West Virginia? State? Yeah,
2: he's at West Virginia. Uh, they've had <clears throat> two uh, straight losing seasons, and if he doesn't turn it around this year, I think uh, Neil Brown would probably be gone. Uh, then they have Danny Gonzalez at New Mexico, um, had nine consecutive losses to end last season uh tom allen at indiana uh yeah you know that not not a team that i follow real closely but uh last two years they have been two and ten and four and eight um but then the, the the guy at the top of the list who do you let me let me ask you both of you uh, who, who do you think it will be
1: is, is it too soon for billy napier
2: No, he's not. They don't list him. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, he's got, what, going into his second year? Uh... He's in the SEC.
2: Um... He once coached at Samford.
1: Well, it seems like this should be a slam dunk for me, but I am just absolutely with it. (laughs) Uh, Jimbo. Uh, yeah, Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got a forty-nine million dollar buyout. I, th- I think that's one reason why he doesn't immediately come I, to mind.
2: I think I think, I think the think buyout on the football field. Yeah, he would be number one. I think the buyout's like closer to eighty million. Oh, is but it? but you know, will they tolerate another five and seven season from him?
1: No. If if he goes five and seven again this year, I will I will tell you he's gone. You think? Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. Hey. I... When we get back, we're going to talk to Jeff Spiegel. But I really have to ask you about why we can't say Red River rivalry other than it's difficult to say. All right. Anyway, you're listening to Big Noon Sports on a very steamy Wednesday, halfway through the week. Glad you're with us. Stay tuned.
4: Down to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Indeed, it is Big Noon Sports. You just heard Lars talking about Laura Lee. Laura Lee Thompson sponsors our Alabama interviews. We appreciate her very much. Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker at Vantage Realty Group. Is it just totally cruel? Jeff, hey, Jeff Spiegel, just jump in the conversation here because breaking news and I don't know if uh, we're going to be able to reel Lars in back from the ledge. Uh, yeah. Lars, do, uh, do you want to break the story that broke your heart?
2: <laughs> I've been waiting 40 years for this day. Literally 40 years for this day. Ken Anderson should have been selected into the Hall of Fame. The uh, the The Seniors Committee... Um, they met and they voted uh, three players into the Hall of Fame. And it was, uh, they're picking from 12. And uh, of the 12, only two made the final cut to 12 last year. And that was Randy Gratishar and Ken Anderson. And just by how things have gone in the last the, the sort of decade, if, or the last uh, uh, maybe five, six years, um, if you make the cut to 12 a second year, you you get in like 100% of the time. Well, Randy Gratishar got in. But guess what? Ken Anderson, oh. my idol, <laughs> did not get in. I can't no believe what? it. Randy Gratishar, no, what? Randy, Randy Gratishar uh, Steve McMichael, defensive tackle, and wide receiver Art Powell uh, are going to get in, and uh, for those who don't know about Ken Anderson, um, again, he's he's my idol, Uh, and he, um, gosh, uh, okay, he's just—he's one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks to ever play. Um, he led the league uh, in 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 '74 and five different statistical categories. He was a MVP. He, in 1982, he shattered the record, uh, the league record for completion percentage, uh, completing 70.6. And according to a study by Pro Football Reference, the six greatest seasons of Ken Anderson's career are better than the six greatest seasons of every other quarterback in NFL history. History. Wow. (laughs) Wow. He's the only quarterback with uh, three of the top 25 seasons in NFL history. Um, and, uh, and this, again, this is a, another study, but his average season throughout his career uh, had a, the standard deviation was better than, the, than every other player in NFL history other than Steve Young and Joe Montana. I mean, he, he, the, his credentials are, are just all, all there. And when he retired, his passer rating of 81.5 um, trailed just four quarterbacks in the 60-year history of the NFL and when adjusted uh to the league average only 8 of the 25 quarterbacks currently in the Hall of Fame have posted a better passer rating than Ken Anderson. I could go on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, yeah. I, just, you I, could. I I just I I keep keep going on, and on. The, and the thing is, like I I, did, I don't understand it. I mean, I get it. He didn't win a Super Bowl. If he if they beat uh the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 16 in 1981, which I was so excited to watch that my dad actually gave me a sedative. Now, what that sedative was, I have no idea. Oh but I was God. ten years old. Let I was ten years old, and, and uh, I, he, he gave me he gave me you a need drug. One now, you he, need one I now. do. God, yeah, I wish my dad do. was alive and he could give me whatever he gave me back in '81. I'm pretty pretty fired up. Meanwhile, anyway, back hey at Jeff, ABC Yes, I, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize, Jeff. I literally no. just found this out.
5: No, listen. I, I, as you were speaking. I looked on Twitter and Twitter's blowing up. I mean, people are really upset.
2: Well, count all, right, me up.
5: <laughs> all right, speaks. He came
2: along
1: yeah. when you were a pretty little kid, I think. All right,
2: uh, yeah,
1: you remember him, I'm sure. Oh, great trivia thanks, yeah. question. Where did he play college football?
5: Uh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I was looking on the Wikipedia page, oh, so I so kind I of, uh, I kind of know the. Is it Augustana College?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
5: think it's. Is this it still D three, no. Lars?
2: Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, and his his offensive coordinator at Cincinnati was Bill Walsh, and it was Bill Walsh and Ken Anderson that together created the West Coast offense, which is used by everybody today. He was Ken Anderson was the original West Coast offense quarterback. Yeah, that's,
5: well, that's a, disappointing. That's disappointing.
1: Yeah. So who did uh, all the old timers? And you may have said this just a minute ago, but who did get in? Did you say uh,
2: Gratishar? Gratishar got in and I think I thought it was going to be Gratishar and Ken Anderson frankly. Um, uh, defensive tackle Steve McMichael and wide receiver Art Powell. I couldn't tell you anything about Art Powell. I think
1: he played for the Skins, didn't he?
2: Uh I'm not he pop. played. Nah, that's Art Monk. I don't know. Uh, it was an Art started his career in Canada before joining the Eagles in 59 for one oh, season. Well, okay. And then joined the New York Titans, uh, and had 69 catches for 1,100 yards. And then played two more years and a couple more thousand yards. And then he went to the Raiders, and uh, he had a league high 73 catches for 1,300 yards. I guess he was probably blah 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 blah. blah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not even close. You
5: know the sound—the sound of Lars' voice when he's describing art stats, just, just the you know, belie how disappointed he is that Ken didn't get in.
1: You should have heard him going into the break.
5: Uh, it might have been
1: hundred degrees outside, but Lars was just cool, confident, oh,
5: rare to go. On
1: Wednesday, we come back from the break. Man, he's reading an obituary.
2: Well, Uh, literally, literally, I've been waiting 40 years. I was telling a friend of mine this yesterday, and I think I said it on air. I've been waiting 40 years for this day, 40 years. And I'm I'm, I'm planning on, I was planning on taking Lincoln, my son, up to Canton for the uh, inauguration ceremony in August and (laughs) all this. And now, now I fear that his time has passed, that uh, he may never get in.
1: Speaks when you were growing up and you were running around in your backyard pretending you were a quarterback in the NFL, who was it? Or who were they? Uh,
5: Joe Namath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's see, um, I, you know, I didn't, NFL guys, I mean, um, uh, probably, you know, probably a little bit of Ken Stabler, you know, although I was a righty and he was the lefty. Um, but, you know, in our backyard, in our backyard games, I mean, uh, it, it was all about imitating the college guys. You know, there were guys who were who, who, who were Pat Sullivan and Terry Beasley, and there were guys who were Johnny Busto and... And Terry Davis, although running the wishbone really doesn't work very well in backyard football. I got to tell you, you
2: know, you know, Jeff, there's that that phrase, uh, never meet your heroes. Right. Um, Yeah. Did did you get a chance? I I, I assume you got to know Joe Namath and, and the other people that you really looked up to growing up. What was that? those experiences like for you? Uh, So many people are disappointed. And I've met Ken and we've become friends and it's been wonderful. It's been one of the best relationships of my life, frankly. Yeah, well,
5: I'll be honest, I've never met Joe, never had the privilege to to meet Joe Namath. Uh, I've always wanted to, but never really had that opportunity. Um, No, wait a minute, that's not true. I was exiting the men's room, the men's restroom at Bryant Denny Stadium. He was coming in and we said hello to each other. So I guess technically we did meet. Uh, but we haven't really met and spoken to each other uh a great length of time. But he's just the coolest of cool. I mean he always has been. I mean, it is just it's just amazing just how incredibly cool he still is after all these years and how he just resonates coolness to many generations you know of football fans um pat sullivan has always been one of my favorite all-time people Uh, i thought pat sullivan was just an incredibly uh awesome guy and um you know loved him from the first time i met him his wife gene uh loved those two and and really 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 miss him
1: so do i um You know, it is pretty cool, Jeff and Lawrence, when we get into this business and we have a chance to actually meet our heroes. But uh, that's a really, really cool thing. And um, I I can relate because I remember when I met Henry Aaron, I just... uh, And I never did this. I never asked for autographs. I asked for his. I never thought it was the place to ask for somebody's autograph when it was a part of what you were doing that day and a part of your assignment. And I told him afterwards, I said, your picture, your poster was... uh, On my bedroom wall since I was seven years old. And he looked at me and he, you could tell it really meant something to him. And uh, I don't know, the the saying about not meeting your heroes did not, well, that didn't hold up with me, it didn't hold up with you.
5: Who else did you meet, Jeff, uh, that you really, 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 really went, wow? This is cool. Well, I did, a, I did a story for one of the uh, one of the pregame uh, specials that we did before one of these playoff games. It was actually before actually it was before the Alabama-USC season opener. And I did uh, a long piece about, you know, when Alabama unveiled the wishbone. And so uh, I got to interview Terry Davis, you know, that, one of my heroes, John Hanna. Got to interview him. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. I interviewed him at his farm. And uh, Wilbur Jackson, it was just oh. it was just the most. And and Mike Washington, it, it was like uh, well, actually, I interviewed Mike Washington for an Alabama Notre Dame piece. Uh, when I when I also interviewed uh, Gary Rutledge, uh, you know the guys who played in that heartbreaking loss to Notre Dame in, in '73. You know, uh, yeah, Gary Rutledge, Steve Stra- Steve Sprayberry, uh, you know, just uh, you know David McMacken and just.
4: And, and that,
5: and that was just fun because that was the era that I grew up in, and you know, I remember when um, I don't know. I just vividly remember, you know, every, just all the big plays and all that stuff. So just to meet these guys in person was just enormously fun. I just can't tell you how much fun it was.
1: You, you know, kind of uh, hide your giddiness. You don't don't want to turn into an eight-year-old. But then again, I mean, you're talking to Joe Namath, for goodness sakes. John Hanna. Yeah,
2: yeah. When I was was eight, I went to a football camp at uh, the University of Nebraska, and my personal coach was John Hanna. And I could not believe how big this man was. And also, he was just so great working with the kids. And uh, Jeff, what was it like for you interacting with John Hanna? And, you know, memorably, SI Sports Illustrated put him on the cover as saying, uh, I think, what was the, the headline? It was like the NFL greatest, greatest lineman ever. Yeah.
5: Well, it did start off very well. We, we were supposed to meet him at his farm and he had a lot of chores to do. And we were supposed to meet him, and I'm just going to make up a random time here. We were supposed to meet him, let's say, like at 10.30 a.m. And, and we're we're folks who, uh you know, my dad always taught me, you know, if you're early, you're on time, you know? And so, uh, and uh you know, if you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you're selfish, all that. And so uh, we get there like at 10, we're going to get there at 10.15. So I call John and I go, hey, John, this is Jeff. We're going to be... We're going to be there just a little early. And he goes, didn't we say 10.30? And I go, uh, yeah, we we said 10.30. This is like a mammoth of a man. And the fact that I made him just a little bit ornery over the phone intimidated the heck out of me. So so we kind of drive around the farm a little bit. So we show up at exactly 10.30, and he's out there waiting on us. And I'm telling you, he couldn't have been any nicer. He was all dirty, dirty. And, you know, and just sweaty because it had been working, didn't bother him at all. He didn't say, hey, let me go in and get cleaned up. And uh, we interviewed John Hanna fresh off his chores at the farm. And he couldn't have been any nicer. He was fantastic. You
1: know, he had... Is it one or two brothers that played? They were pretty good ball players too. We'll check into that over the break as you listen to. Hey, that's Jeff Spiegel, by the way. Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Remind me to ask you about what you're going to be doing this weekend as far as your coverage and all that. We'll get to that on the other side of the break as you're listening to Big Noon Sports. This segment is being brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. <laughs>
2: Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 27036 Street across from the home two suites. Come down to RR and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class.
6: Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m., the Martin Houston Show.
4: Join us tomorrow morning as we continue to break down recruiting with Max Recruiting at Max underscore Recruiting as Alabama seeks to pull in yet another great recruiting class. It's the Martin Houston Show. The sound of Alabama sports, your show, your team.
6: Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Blistering heat continues for the rest
0: of the week. A sunny sky this afternoon, The high today near 100. For tonight, clear with a low at 78. And tomorrow and Friday, lots of sunshine both days. Highs will stay close to 100 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9.
4: It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Lars Anderson, Matt Cole, Justin Jones is at the helm, and our guest is ABC 3340's Jeff Spiegel. David and Charlie, Hannah. They both yeah. played at Alabama. Charlie mm-hmm. played eight, ten, something like years uh, in the NFL, mostly with the Raiders. Won a Super Bowl, but all those Hannah Farm guys up there on Sand Mountain were big old farm. They could actually carry a tractor.
5: Oh man, Auburnville, Alabama. Yes, sir. They could. Hey, let me uh, Let me name. Uh, let me name three more guys if I can. Uh And Ricky sure. Davis was the other guy that we talked to about that Alabama Notre Dame piece. But also, uh, John Croyle, incredible guy, uh, one of those guys that he spoke at my brother's high school graduation in 1974. And then to finally get the opportunity to meet him, and I certainly had a lot of admiration for him as a player as well. But just, uh, all he's done with the Big Oak Boys Ranch is just, you know, just phenomenal. And then I did a, uh, I did a look back at like 20 years later, no, 25 years later, the Pump Bama punt. Uh, Bill Newton and David Langner got to interview those two guys and they were really cool as well so it's been uh, yeah part part of the really cool things about doing this for as long as I have is that uh, I got a lot of great memories when it comes to uh, stuff like that
1: Did Langner try and hit you during the interview?
5: He's the no, meanest son of a gun I've
1: ever seen on a football field.
5: Just he decorate, tried to sell me a car. He, he tried to sell me a car. He worked at a at a, at a car place, I think, in Tuscaloosa. I can't remember yeah, which it was one, but he was yeah. good. He was great, though. He and Bill both. I
1: always thought just was funny. He ended up uh, selling cars in Tuscaloosa, all Yeah, exactly. Uh, excuse me, Lars, go so, ahead. Uh,
2: I uh, yeah, uh, Jeff, right now the, the phrase Salty Tua is trending on Twitter. And this goes back to uh, Ryan Clark, who is a former NFL player, now an NFL analyst on ESPN. And he he saw Tua. uh, He didn't talk to him, but he saw him and he said, quote, he wasn't in the gym. I'll bet you that. He might have spent a lot of time at the tattoo parlor, but he wasn't at the dinner table eating with a nutritionist. And Tua I, I've never, I've never heard Tua come after anyone before, because he's a, he's about the most respectful person uh, I've ever met, and he just said uh, in, in a press conference about a, about forty minutes ago, he said it's a little weird what he said. Uh, I come from a Samoan family, respect is everything we are tough minded people but if we need to get scrappy we can get scrappy i would appreciate it if you kept my name out of your mouth and the, and and what what we're seeing is that uh-huh. the he's gained weight i mean he's he's put on muscle He's, he's noticeably bigger now than he was. And, and and I think that is a reflection of him trying to uh, do everything he can to avoid the injuries uh, that he has sustained at the beginning of his NFL career. And and we've even seen when he has taken some hits that he's sort of learning to roll into the ground rather than, uh, you know, just kind of go straight back. But have have you ever seen this side of Tua before?
5: No. No, I never have. I never have. And that's uh, – but, you know, good for him. You know, uh, I, good for him to to kind of just, you know, defend himself and, and, and do that. And and he – you know, one of the knocks, you know, against Tua when he was at Alabama, and, you know, uh, Saban said this, you know, on, on Tom several times, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with throwing the ball away. You know, uh, and, and he tried to extend plays – that was one of his gifts was extending plays, but it also, you know, was his was his downfall. It also led to you know him getting hurt, and so um, you know I, I'm glad that he's he's taking all this to heart, putting on some muscle, and you know because the Dolphins need him to stay on the field. I mean, he is he's their ticket to whatever postseason plans you know they ever have again, and he's got to stay healthy and he's got to be in there. And, but listen, don't ever attack this guy's work ethic. I mean, yeah. this guy's got a work ethic that is, you know, second to none. Uh, and, you know, I, that, that was just, I don't know where that came from.
2: Yeah. And um, I, I think people are so focused on the injury that you forget how good he was last year when he played. I mean, uh, he was as accurate as any quarterback in the league. And again, if he can uh, Learn how to, you know, avoid Those hits, and, and some of them were kind of free hits, you know, but um, I, I think I think the Dolphins are Potentially a sleeper, you know uh, Sleeper pick to uh, Win the AFC championship And get to the Super Bowl
5: Yeah, I agree And, you know, we saw this at Alabama How accurate he was, you know, throwing the football And And, uh, I, and, and we with We talked about this in the office, you know, not too long ago about, you know, top Alabama quarterbacks, you know, in the, in the Saban era. And he's got to, he's got to be way up there. He's got to be way up there. And, um, it's, he just changed the position, you know, when, when they signed him. And, and, uh, it's just forever. I mean, in Alabama, I think. Because it used to be, you know, that Alabama didn't get the five star, you know, quarterbacks. You know, but uh, he, he's, you know, just terrific, terrific human being. And, and uh, yeah, I, to, to see him get attacked like that, um, you know, good for him that he stood up for himself and, and, and gave it back to the guy.
2: And, Jeff, did you uh, notice anything, uh, any takeaways from uh, Bryce Young in his first two preseason games?
5: Well, I don't know. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we can, we can make too big a deal out of the preseason. Uh, I mean, I, I know this. The offensive line is just going to have to protect it better. I mean, yeah. they they just got if, yeah. If they can protect him, I mean, he can do some magical things back there in the pocket, and he can do some magical things if the protection is not, you know, like a hundred percent great. But the but the protection is far from a hundred percent great. So the offensive line has got to get short up. But if they get that situation squared away, I mean, this guy's going to do some incredible things in the league.
1: Jeff it's like we were eating lunch and we said hey come over here and sit down and we just picked up a conversation here it is 30 minutes later this is this has been <laughs> awesome uh, hey I know that you invest a lot of time and effort into your coverage of the weekends of college and high school football you want to go over that and what you're going to be doing because uh, high school football tease it up tomorrow night now well, two nights from Friday out
5: yeah Absolutely. Thursday night. Yeah. Vestavia Hills, Mountain Brook is a game we're going to be watching pretty closely. Couple of, uh, uh, well, Vestavia Hills with Robert Evans, you know, is really, is really going to start coming on, you know, as a program and challenging, you know, the Hoovers and the Thompsons. And then Chris Yeager does an incredible job at Mountain Brook. Friday, Thompson plays Opal down at Crampton Bowl. You know, so we'll be all over that one and all of the other, you know, many of the other openers that are going to be happening on Friday. And um, then, you know, Saturday, Jacksonville State kicks off. First FBS season in school history. They'll be playing UTEP, at a Conference USA game, right out of the gate. So that'll be kicking off Saturday at 4.30. We'll be there for that one. Then, of course, the next weekend, you know, you got Bama, Auburn. And the Thursday before, you got UAB and Sanford. There's just a ton of good football going on, you know, right now just in this area. And uh, it's just, it's one of the really cool things about this job. Indeed. And talking
1: to you is one of the cool things about this job, too. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. It just blew away.
2: Yeah. So, Jeff, I'm sorry about the Ken Anderson rant. I, I didn't mean to take <laughs> up the time <laughs> no here. I just, I, I literally just found it out in real time. So, oh, man, I hate <laughs> I it. I hate
1: it. Speaks, I still don't know if we've got him back.
5: <laughs> well, I wish I'd mean, I hope, I hope he eventually gets in. It's a crime that he's not in. I appreciate that. Yeah, yep. and as yeah. Lars said, this was the year.
1: Hey, let's go to the top of the hour. Jeff, have a great day, great sportscast. Appreciate your time as always. That's Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Hey, thank you all. All right, it is halftime. we got to uh, take a water break. We'll be right back on Big Noon Sports.
6: Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show.
5: Hey, everybody, it's Gary Harris. Coming up Thursday on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, the coach, Ellis Johnson, is back for his second visit as he breaks down the SEC East as we get ready for the season. Also, Jeff Spiegel and more.
6: Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and tide100.9.com. WTUG HD Two Northport and
0: W two six five CG Tuscaloosa Tide one hundred point nine and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. A Townsquare Media
4: station. More big noon sports coming up.
1: Second hour brought to you by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage, Matt Coulter, Justin Jones, and Lars Anderson trying to cruise through this steamy Wednesday afternoon. Ken Anderson did not make the Canton Hall of Fame, and uh, we've pretty much large, lost Lars since 1230 when that announcement was made. Are you any better there, buddy?
2: No, I'm not. I actually uh, am just looking at a list now of the biggest snubs in the Hall of Fame history. <laughs> so... Here we go.
1: All right, give me
2: five. Give me five. Um, okay, uh, Andre Johnson, Uh, wide receiver for the Texans um, and uh, he was not selected during his first two years of uh, eligibility seven time all pro uh, led the league in receptions and receiving yards multiple occasions Um, uh, Reggie Wayne another terrific wide receiver Dwight Freeney uh, Roger Craig who we mentioned he was one of the top 12 finalists Uh, Lester Hayes how is Lester Hayes not in the Stick Hall him. of Fame? Wasn't he the yeah. guy that had the yellow stuff yeah. all over his yeah. body? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Um, uh, Clay Matthews, uh, four-time really? pro bowler, played 19 NFL seasons, 16 of them with He's the Browns. He's not in the Hall of Fame? Clay Matthews, linebacker, not in the Hall of Fame. Okay, listen. Heinz uh, Hind, uh, Ward? Do you think he Miller. should be? He's he's not in the hall. I don't
1: know. He was just such an exceptional player in, in, in so many different positions. But uh, went, somebody call Christian Miller and tell him that Clay Matthews is not in the Hall of Fame, and he he'll get that straightened out. <laughs> Remember, that's uh, like his favorite all-time player. I think. Yeah, so, that's
2: right. Um, uh, LC I can't Green. Believe, all right, now I'm mad. All okay, time. LC Greenwood. Uh, member Elsie Greenwood. Yeah, uh, he's a key member of uh, the Steel Curtain defense for for Pittsburgh. Six time Pro Bowler. I mean, he was he would just put fear in, <laughs> in 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 quarterbacks, right? Because he was so good. Uh, are like eight
1: or nine of the players on the Steel Curtain in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, just on the defensive side of the football.
2: What about Jim Marshall? Not in the Hall of Fame, like he to me the Purple People
1: Eaters. The
2: Purple P, pe- yeah, he was like the key member of the Purple People Eaters of the Vikings, and he holds the NFL record for most seasons played by a defensive player at at uh, twenty, uh, and that's tied with uh, Daryl Green and Junior Seau. He holds a record for most consecutive games by a defensive player at two hundred and eighty-two, most consecutive starts by a defensive player two seventy. Most fumble recovers thirty, um, but wow. remember he's 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 well known for <laughs> going the wrong way. Going the wrong way, uh, yeah. He he picked up a fumble. He got a little turned around. And he ran the wrong way, and uh, I think he, like, spiked the ball. Yeah, and, he got it in the end zone. And um, spiked the ball, and so it ended up being a safety. I think they were um,
1: playing maybe the Rams, and one of the Rams players came up to him right as he got in the end, end zone, just patted him on the shoulder pad said, Hey, thanks a lot there, Jim. Uh, <laughs> can you name the other ones uh, on the Uh
2: o- o- just... Otis, oh, uh, the Purple People Eaters? Yeah. Oh, man. I think I can... Let's see. You I can start? Yeah, uh, go Alan ahead. Alan
1: Page, who's now uh, a judge. Yeah. A very distinguished man. Um, Olson? No. That's... I'm going to do... Uh, Larson. Olson's with the Rams.
2: I was saying like, Larson. Ron, Ron Yerry? Uh nah, he was a... Was he offensive Rams, lineman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was
1: Page, Marshall, Larson, and... Don't tell me. I'll get it later on the show. Okay. Uh, now that we've gone into our NFL oh, players Car- list, Carl Eller. Carl Eller. Could you, and he may have been the best of all of them. They were all great. But uh, that may be the biggest guffu in the history of the National Football League.
2: Yeah. That
1: and what did, what did Leon Lett do? He did something uh, a Super Bowl or
2: a playoff game. Yeah. Well, he did a couple things. <laughs> <laughs> one was the Super Bowl, where Steve Tasker, uh, who also you can make the argument he belongs in the Hall of Fame because special he's one of the greatest yeah. greatest special team players in history. But Tasker, remember he ran ran him down wow. as Lett was about he was celebrating about the one yard line, and he knocked the ball out That's of right. his hand. And then he did this other thing where it was a a blocked kick. I think it was on Thanksgiving. And um, it was a, a blocked uh, a blocked field goal, and and let uh, instead of just letting the ball go, he, he he went toward it, slipped, kicked the ball, and then I think they're playing Miami, and a Miami player jumped on it for a touchdown. Okay. And it, I, and if, I could be I could be getting that slightly wrong. Was that the, in details the snow? There. It was in the snow.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, yes. You know, he's from, Al- he's from somewhere in Alabama. Leon Led is. Uh, but anyway, uh, okay. We've uh, pretty much uh, gone all over the uh, National Football League page. Did you see where, okay, just bringing up stories as we go along. By the way, during the break, Lars, because uh, we really are on a long and winding road here for this show, but uh, I was just scrolling through some things, and I saw a quote from... Uh, Mike Leach about pirates. Man, we're going to miss that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was making jokes about swords and peg legs and all this kind of stuff. What a delightful human being. All right. One of the big stories nationally is, and I think it's going to be announced here if it hasn't already sometime today, Reggie Bush is going to sue the NCAA for defamation of character. Now, do you just want me to read that headline and move along or do you want to?
2: No, no. Let's dig into this.
1: Oh, um, I don't uh first of all, in, in in just terms of time, I think about it like the Michael Ower thing. Why is this just now coming up? This is in 2010. Is that right? Yeah, maybe even earlier um, than that. Why is it just now coming to light that he thinks the NCAA defamed his character?
2: Um, all right, so. I think it goes back to a, uh, a statement that was made in 2021. Uh, so yeah, so the N.C. statement in questioned, uh, it was um, uh, about the, the discussion was about uh, an inquiry about the possibility of Bush Having his records and participation restored in light of the changes to the name, image, and likeness rules that went into effect uh, right around uh, that time, and uh, and I believe, gosh, um, I'm trying to find the actual statement that was made. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bush is—he's he, trying to have his 2005 Heisman Trophy reinstated. If you remember, it was forfeited, or he had to forfeit the trophy in 2010 yeah, nice. after a four-year extra benefits, extra benefits investigation determined that he and family members, uh, while he was a student athlete at USC, accepted cra- uh, cash, travel expenses, and a home— in the San Diego area uh, rent-free for more than a year, and also they were given $10,000 to furnish it. And uh, and the NCA put out a statement that his lawyer said uh, was completely false and highly offensive. Uh, The NCA knew Mr. Bush was never accused of, involved in, much less sanctioned, any pay-for-play arrangement. So, I again. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the actual. Uh, the actual statement uh, that uh, that he is uh, saying that the NCAA maliciously attacked his character uh, through a false and highly offensive statement that was widely reported in the media and substantially and irreparably damaged his reputation. And that came, that came from the law firm and, and, the, and the defamation suit. Uh, the NCA uh, statement in question was issued to ESPN on July 28th of 2021 in response to, again, uh, Bush having his records uh, restored. And the statement was, and this is a well-thought-out statement because it was a written statement, said, although college athletes can now receive benefits from NIL, uh, NCAA rules still do not permit pay-for-play arrangements. So it, the, they are suggesting that, uh, yeah. that, that Reggie Bush uh, did, that there was a, a pay-for-play and, but this is gonna be tough. I mean, when you are suing, when a public figure is suing for defamation, the, the standard, as you know, you, you and I have b- both been through this kind of stuff. Uh, the, the standard is really high, right? Uh, for you have to prove a reckless disregard for the truth. And the fact that that this was written out now, rather than just somebody saying something off the cuff, that that may change things, yeah, don't you? That don't might you think? A
1: bit, but I think part of their argument is that because you can get NIL now, then why, you know, why take his Heisman Trophy away when it's. It's, you know, that's available today,
2: but it wasn't in 2005. And I, and I think that's really what this is all about. Like, just give so Reggie, is, just give him the Heisman back, and this will all go away. And I think we should give him the Heisman back.
1: I'd have to give that a little bit of thought, but I think my initial reaction is yes, and then let's go straighten out NIL and let's snap it on Saturday. That's what I say. Let's snap it. Coming up, Mark Heim from WNSP and Mobile and AL.com. Good story on ticket sales when we get back.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Blistering heat continues for the rest of the week. A sunny sky this afternoon. The high today near 100. For tonight, clear with the low at 78. And tomorrow and Friday, lots of sunshine both days. Highs will stay close to 100 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 97 degrees
4: in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Interviews about pertaining to the University of Alabama football and all are being sponsored by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker Advantage Realty Group. And, and joining us now from Mobile is Mark Heim from AL.com and WNSP uh fm sports radio down in the mobile area just quickly uh first of all how are you
7: and what's the weather like there you know it's funny you mentioned weather guys uh by the way living the dream we're that much closer to uh toe hitting leather so i'm good i was listening to span nobody does it better but at this point isn't it a little just counterproductive that you can get the weather i mean you need the weather just kind of open a window right i mean I- I we're under that. this heat dome whatever the hell the that is and yeah yeah it's it's, it's nuts so people are melting but
1: other than that we're going. good man all right, yeah good hey uh i love articles like this that just give you a little bit of information that you probably didn't know about leading into the season but you've got a story on alabama being the most in-demand football team as far as ticket sales are concerned and, and you go on to list several different things and certain games and all that i'm just curious it uh, how do you gather the information? Does it come – I saw a story Forbes did, but then you've got StubHub, Vivid Seats, and SeatGeek. How did you put this thing together? I'm just curious.
7: Well, uh, those those companies are PR machines, so they push a lot of that information out to media sites. So StubHub did this, uh, did this, I guess, in-house kind of analytic deal, and they do it every year. So Ohio State uh, kind of led the uh, – um, country last year. Alabama, they're, they're basically going, as you guys know, StubHub is one of those third party vendor sites. So you put your stuff up there uh, if you're not going to the game. And of course, people are coming there hoping to get a good deal and get tickets from you. And so just the activity that the action that Alabama tickets are seeing and there's some high pro, you know um, profile games. Obviously, Texas is the first one on the docket as far as high profile. So I just think uh, there's a lot of questions surrounding Alabama. Uh, I think there's that whole disappointing year kind of cloud hovering over Tuscaloosa. Um, I think there's a lot of interest to see how, you know, Nick Saban's going to react without Bryce Young, without Will Anderson and, and having to plug in uh, very specific, uh, very prominent roles in, in that football team. So I just think there's a lot more interest
2: mark you write about so many different subjects at uh al.com and 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 frankly i think you have the coolest job at al.com do you do you get a pick what you write about, or or are you speaking with your editor? Like like right now on the site, you you have a piece on uh, Chris Fowler to a multi-year deal. Sage Steele uh, visiting Alabama. The the ticket uh, the the, the uh, ticket story that that. Uh, um, uh, Matt just referenced, yeah. and also uh, NASCAR legend announces a cancer battle. As, as fans react, like, how, how do you come up with these?
7: Oh well, for for all your listeners, while you're spouting awesome, I just posted Tim Tebow's biggest regret in college. So if you're interested to know what that one is, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> uh, he cried because of it. So you can go to al.com and read that. Already talked but, about that earlier. Yeah. So. It's a it's a it's a great question because but um, no I don't necessarily talk to an editor uh, I'm what you would deem a buzz reporter so I'm looking for anything that's trending anything that I think people are going to read right so this is hard for some like old time newspaper folks to kind of uh, wrap their head around but uh, in this day of analytics we don't tell readers what they want to read the readers tell us. Um, <laughs> And so there's a certain level of obligation and responsibility a journalist has as far as uh, going out and covering certain things that the, the public has to know, obviously. I'm not sure it's um, that strict or defined in sports. So basically I'm out there looking for everything that's trending or buzzing or, or whatever. So, yeah, I'm looking for all the interesting, cool stuff.
2: And it's uh, it's been cool to me. Uh, to go into the AL.com offices, or I don't even know if they exist anymore, but uh, in Birmingham, but like to, to see like in real time how the stories are performing. And I'm guessing the pieces that you do perform very well in terms of the amount of eyeballs that they attract.
7: Uh, I'm going to go into coach speak here. I can't confirm or deny. Any <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. Um, hard, I, 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 shouldn't I, I have asked. Say,
2: I, I apologize. I shouldn't have I, I asked that say,
7: question. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm having a little fun. Uh, uh, let's just say if I, if they, if they didn't perform well, uh, I wouldn't be doing it. There's a reason Why? I write about like some people on staff kind of roll their eyes. If I, if I say I got a Lane Kiffin post coming, well, I don't have an infatuation with Lane, but clearly people do right. When, uh, Bubba Wallace was in the news uh, uh, during NASCAR. I mean, I wrote a lot about NASCAR. Like, So it's, it really just kind of depends. So I'll go wherever the story is. And that's why I tell people on my radio show all the time. Long term, like, and you guys know this because you're in the radio business. You know, Alabama wins. They go on for to go to the national championship. Long term, that's great. It's great for affiliates. That's great for advertising. All that's great. Give me a coordinator fired in the middle of the season and you've given me a whole lot of meat on a bone bonus you want for a few days of content you know what i mean so give me anarchy and that's kind of why i love what? college football so much mark
1: you're just reflecting our whole damn society that's just what i'm over- <laughs> <laughs> okay? you are the mirror that we look into yeah uh yeah it's good stuff though because it works i mean i probably click more of your articles right off the bat based on a headline and some of the subject matter than I do any others. And that's why Lars uh, <laughs> said just a while ago, you have a great job. Uh, we're both <laughs> envious. So uh, anyway, speaking of the job, let's get down home. From what you have heard and reports uh, over the weekend, we're three days removed from the last scrimmage at Alabama. Anything new that's
7: uh, click-worthy? <laughs> oh, no, you, the, the things that caught my attention, uh, specifically about what Nick Staben said, was he really kind of harped on the leadership thing again. But, but what was different this time, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the words right in front of me, but he said, he, don't stand up and think you're a leader when, when you're really not doing the things you need to do to be a leader. So I almost get the sense that there are guys trying to fill that void that he is so desperately looking for, but kind of failing miserably. Like, you've always, you always had that guy on your team that would be like, come on, guys, you're like that rah-rah guy, but he'd go, over, he'd go out on the quarter on the football field and turn it over three times. But he'd be on the one and be like, come on, guys, you got to do better, yet he's the problem. That's kind of what I envision right now in Tuscaloosa. So I do think he's still trying to find a, a leader. And I think that ultimately will go back to quarterback and naming quarterback. But, um, you know, he said the execution is getting better, and, and those are the things that you expect to hear as we get closer to game time. I also found it interesting, guys, that when he talked about the quarterback, he didn't say anything about specific any specific quarterback. He used the word all. All played. All took snaps. All got stacked, All made mistakes. So he's not giving anything on this whole quarterback thing.
2: Uh, sticking with the quarterback uh, situation um, in Tuscaloosa. You have your finger on the pulse of Alabama fans. You obviously have your, your radio show and you talk to fans, interact with fans. Who do you think they want to be the sort of not just the quarterback to begin the season, but like the guy who emerges as number one? Like who who do you if, if, uh, if we were to hold a vote in, in this state, who do you think yeah. would win? It's a great question. I
7: think, I think Simpson, and the reason I, I I I say that is because this coming off the Bryce Young years, I think this fan base is just so used to and expecting a guy to go out there and not only fling it all over the field, but make plays with his feet. And from what I understand, Simpson's a lot. I mean, we don't talk about him being athletic uh, when when you're sitting there talking about. Uh, because he's such a, such a dynamic player. But I think part of me feels like the answer would be Simpson because he's probably your best bat at giving you the, the, that dual threat. With that said, I think people are going to fall in love with Milroe if he gets in there and you see him take off. Uh, I, I think it's going to have that Jalen Hurts appeal to people. I mean, like, how do you keep a guy that athletic off the field? So I, I guess if, if you put a gun to my head, I'll say Simpson first, but it's tight, I think. I think there's going to be a, a lot of love for Milro.
1: If you were to uh, just kind of try to, you know, narrow it down to just a, a couple of things, is there going to be an obvious difference in Alabama's offense this year?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, if we take Nick Saban at his word, I think it's just going to be more balanced. I think I think they're going to make more of a, a deal out of running the ball, uh, getting back to uh what he used to do before he kind of implemented a spread and, and, and tempo um he has said that they relied too much on Bryce last year and I think when you go back and look at that LSU and that Tennessee game both losses he would have liked to sustain some drives and, and move the sticks a little bit and and not put it in the air as often as they did uh, and again I think we would all agree it's, it's hard to question putting it in Bryce Young's hands but I think it's been proven over the years that if you're gonna if you're gonna win the big games, you're gonna have to be able to do both and do it effectively. And I just don't think they ran it enough to be able to run it when they really had to. Uh, they, they've got to get that that mental toughness back. Maybe, maybe they'll do they'll, they'll hit that mat that they did in Gainesville uh, a uh, few years back with Urban Meyer. But yeah, it's I, to answer a long-winded question or a long-winded answer to a short uh, question. I, I think you're going to see a, a significant difference
2: in. Um Going back to uh, the uh, piece you wrote on uh, Sage Steel coming to uh, visit Tuscaloosa and uh, and and be a guest speaker uh, to the Alabama Crimson Tide team, I'd love just to get your personal opinion, like. Sage Steele, as as we all know, has been involved in a, a lot of controversy with ESPN, and you know, uh, I, I think what what she has said about Barbara Walters, the late Barbara Walters, is is really right. un- unseemly. Um, Do you think it's appropriate? I mean, Coach Saban and also, you know, uh, Matt and I were talking about, you know, Pete Rose. Like, should Pete Rose be, uh, you know, invited and, you know, Nick Saban sends his private jet to pick him up? Uh, should he be talking to uh, the, uh, the, the the football players? Uh, I'd love just to get your, your personal opinion, and and, and you act, and you do a really good job of keeping your opinion out of uh, out of out of this piece in particular, where you're just kind of reporting the facts. But I'd love to think, I'd love to know if you thought it was a, a, a good idea, a bad idea, um, just yeah, your your thoughts.
7: Yeah, no, I I actually, I think it's a good idea as long as it's it's presented in the right context. If you're trying to educate uh, and teach from your own experiences and and understanding the complexities of any certain situation, I think it can be a plus. Uh, Like for Pete Rose, I mean, we don't know exactly what was said. I mean, you know, I think Nick Saban was asked about the sexual assault, and he kind of sidestepped that question. Uh, But I, you know, what are the pitfalls? What, I mean, what did he learn? How did it impact his life? What are the cues that you need to pick up on that he didn't, whether it's about sexual assault or whether it's about gambling? Um, you know, there's a lot of temptation out there in, in either or, I guess, I don't know. But you, I think if you use it as a teaching moment, I think there's no better person to learn from than a person that went through it themselves. So I like the fact that he brings in a lot of uh, different types of people to talk about different experiences. Um, and I guess in everybody's per everybody's message is going to be different. Um, so I I think, you know, to have somebody like, I don't know, Kobe came in, June, Ken Griffey just came in to sit there and talk about the sacrifices you need to to win at a high level probably starts getting to be an old message. So I, I think what Nick Saban does in that situation is he's trying to, um, uh, instill in his young boys uh the qualities and characteristics that are required to become good young men um and sometimes you got to hear some harsh truth um and learn from those mistakes so yeah i'm for it Uh, i think as many voices as you can get the better
1: hey can you hang through the break you know the drill sure absolutely all right our guest is mark heim from al.com and wnsp in mobile and he
6: and all of us will be back in just a minute Next, inside the locker room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson.
4: Thursday on Inside the Locker Room, seven thirty. JC Sherbeth will join us and go through the SEC. Also at eight fifteen, Tim Brando will be on Inside the Locker Room.
6: Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and
2: Tide 100.9.com. Throughout the entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker Laura Lee at the Bama That's Laura Lee at the Bama
4: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
1: Interviews are presented and sponsored by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker, Advantage Realty Group. Earlier in the show, by the way, our guest from AL.com and WNSP Mobile is Mark Heim. Earlier, it's just like it just a wave. It's just kind of f- flashed in front of me. I just suddenly started thinking about Mike Leach. Uh, he is going to be so missed. Uh, do you have a story? Have you been around him? Everybody seems to have a Mike Leach pirate story or something of the like. Do you?
7: Yeah. I hate to disappoint. I have not. I do not okay. have a Mike Leach story, but I'll tell you, it's what makes the SEC. He is in part what makes the SEC so great because it's not just about football. It's about personalities. And when you get guys like him and Steve Spurrier or, you know, Lane Kiffin or go down, the. I mean, Nick Saban, for, I mean, it's really the personalities that I think make this conference what it is. And, and there was no bigger personality than Mike Leach.
2: Okay, I got to ask you about the uh, Tim Tebow story that you just filed <laughs> and it, it, it is posted. Okay, I got to um, look it up. Hang
1: on, I'm behind the end.
2: Yeah, yeah, so uh, um, I... Uh, <laughs> I kind of thought that there was some revisionist history in Tim Tebow's uh, response. I, I, I watched, uh, I, I suffered through that whole uh, Netflix uh, untold swamp yeah. things. Uh, and I, 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 I talked about it earlier. I thought it was terrible. I just thought it was terrible. Uh, it was just one big promotional thing for Florida football. And there was like absolutely no journalistic integrity at all in it. But that's just my humble opinion uh but uh yeah i I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to see it uh so yeah. So, I did uh, 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 okay, so I'd love to hear your um analysis of it and it's totally fine if it's different than mine and and two just uh, tell us about the story that you uh have, have just posted on al.com
5: well,
2: I think
7: two things that came to my that that I kind of surmised after I watched it i in in fact, I came up with one of them right after. I think the first episode, which is the biggest problem with this is that you just can't cheer or root for Urban Meyer. There, there's just, there's no redeeming quality there. So it's hard to, it's just, I, I don't know if that's because we're SEC fans in the state of Alabama. Maybe Ohio State fans feel the same way. Maybe, maybe LSU fans. I don't know. It's just, you, you, you wanted to root for some of the other guys. There was, I mean, you, you, clearly, you're, you're, everybody's a fan of, of Tim Tebow, uh, but Brandon Styler, I thought was great. Brandon Spike, those guys were great. Like, I was cheering for them during the course of the documentary. I, I just, I was, I was waiting, wanting to see Urban Meyer fail. That was, that was the biggest thing I took from it. The second thing is, it, and this is kind of for all you Nick Saban fans out there, it really goes, he's such a contrarian to what Nick Saban preaches, right? The process, one step at a time, get the play right, perfection, over and over and over, and the results will come. Well, Meyer appeared, according to this thing, uh, was just the opposite. Like, all he cared about was the championship, and it essentially drove him mad. Like, he was sick. He was sick over it because he didn't worry about the day-to-day from time to time. He was just always talking about getting that championship and, and, and beating Spurrier and whatever the next step was, and he was just more of a big-picture guy. And then the my other – I thought it was a little hypocritical, Lars, to your point. Uh, he's talking about how he'll never cut a kid loose, you know, because look what happened to the Avery kid, and he wound up dead a year later over an O.D. Yet they do this whole thing about how he kicked guys off the team if, if they couldn't physically keep up in these grueling workouts. So why not call a spade a spade and say – you know, I'm going to keep you if you're good enough, and whatever you do on the on, off the field is is not an issue, and if you're not good enough, I'm going to get rid of you. It, just, it was just really hypocritical. I just I, – I, I'm not a fan of – I'm probably less of a fan of Urban Meyer now than I was before that thing debuted, and uh, he didn't set the bar real high before that thing debuted.
2: And in that crying game that Tebow, you know, says his biggest regret yeah. – he said, and, and and you quote him in your story. He said, "They mean Alabama had the edge because they had nothing to lose, and we had everything to lose." Well, it, hold on, pause it right there. Alabama is twelve yeah. and zero. Oh. Alabama was ranked second in the country. Alabama had everything to lose. I mean, this revisionist history is just, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've said this so many times, it makes me blue in the face. But uh, we are in a post-fact age where facts don't really matter anymore. Uh, And I don't know, maybe Tim Tebow is just uh, not recalling things correctly. We live Um, in 1984.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, so, exactly. So speaking of
2: revisionist
7: history, maybe maybe you guys can help me out with the revisionist history, though, because they were also talking about Urban Meyer's recruitment of Tim Tebow and, and how he wasn't even on the radar. You know who he was, blah, 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 blah. But then he had to go, like, all in and, like, it was coming down the wire in the documentary. He was talking about how Alabama was kind of the leader. But from what I remember, and, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be, I always got the impression – people were always saying Shula had no shot at Tebow. He was a Gator through and through. Uh, He had the whole Florida Gator mailbox, and and he was just wasting his time. There was no I don't really remember, and I'll have to go back and look. Do you guys ever remember seeing reports that indicated that Alabama and Mike Shula were the favorite to land Tim Tebow? As a matter of fact,
1: didn't we talk about this yesterday, Lars? Yeah, we did. Uh, Shula, Um. as I remember, uh, at the time, um, his high school came to Hoover to play a nationally televised game. Uh, yeah, the or, I remember that. Yeah. It was a huge. It was a big yeah. deal. And Tebow was a big yep. deal. Hoover ended up winning it by a couple of touchdowns, but Tebow put on a show. And at yeah. that time, I think the lean or the belief was that he was leaning towards going to, to Alabama. But in the end, okay. he ended up going to Florida. Now, I think Lars kind of remembers it that way, too, right?
2: Yeah, I, and I've I've I wrote about it in uh, the storm and the tide, I think, or I don't know, could have been chasing the bear, one of the one of those books. But um, so Mike Shula had spent like the previous day in the Tebow household, and yeah. he was just uh, he was very confident that uh, that Tebow was going to come to Alabama because uh, as you, uh, it, well, Matt could talk to us better than probably both of us, that, that, that Mike Shula is a, a, a man of uh, deep faith. And they really co- sort of connected on that level. It, 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 and am I, am, I, am I correct on that, Matt?
1: You are, you are.
2: And, 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 so, and, and so we just, uh, you know, uh, Matt and I yesterday, we just kind of threw this out. And I'd love to hear your thoughts too. What if Tim Tebow comes to Alabama? Does that mean <laughs> that Nick Saban never gets to Alabama? And does that mean, like, uh, you know, uh, it, it changes a lot of people's lives, in, including probably all yeah. three of us?
7: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think so. If, if Shula lands Tebow, there's no way Shula's gone. Uh, I'm one of the few that actually thought Shula did a pretty admirable job under the circumstances there. Uh, but, yes, I, think, I don't think Nick Saban ever gets here. Uh, I don't think Urban Meyer's ever Urban Meyer in Florida ever gets back to that prominence that is um, so 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 documented in that um, in that uh, Netflix series. Uh, it it kind of I think you follow that scenario under the what if Drew Brees got cleared by a Miami doctors right when when Saban was with yeah. the with the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> I think it, I think that's a I think they're very similar. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think I think Shula wound up bringing Alabama back to where everybody expected him to be probably not as quickly, but certainly with a guy like Tim Tebow, quarterback, yeah, I mean, yeah, Saban's never at Tuscaloosa.
1: It's a really, really crazy thing to think about, but I think we all agree. Um, yeah. Uh, Urban Meyer helped Alabama win six national championships. Is that what we're saying here?
2: <laughs>
7: <laughs> I don't know. He's got a headache. He can't talk right now.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah Mark, is there... Um, I always like to ask reporters this question. Um, Is there a favorite athlete or coach that you have interviewed and kind of, you know, maintained a relationship with over the years that, uh, um, you know, maybe you didn't expect that to happen uh, when you first met?
7: Wow. Uh, We've had a number of high school players come through that have – that have always kind of, st- st- a couple guys stayed in touch over the years. Um, the fr- the, the, the re- most recent one is Riley Leonard. He's the starting quarterback over at Duke. Um, he's from Fairhope, which is in our backyard. Probably the best high school interview I've ever done. Um, Jake Coker, I saw Jake just the other day. We you know we have him on through high school. He's got a great story, by the way, about when he played basketball against the Marcus Cousins here in Mobile um, and how he was a sophomore and got dunked on. Uh, Jake's Jake's great. We had him on just the other day, but he's a guy that I kind of uh, still talk to. Um, Antonio Coleman, uh, for those that remember that name at over at Auburn, he's the head coach now at Williamson. He used to come on the show as a player, uh, which tells you a couple things. These guys love the game, and, and, and I'm clearly getting old. But those are the, those are the guys that, that, that come to mind. Rob. Um, I had Barry Dunning, Jr. uh a basketball, was a basketball in the state of Alabama, two years running. He went to Arkansas. He's now at UAB. I'm sure you guys know. Have a great relationship uh, with Barry. He's 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 great. My uh, my son was his point guard for for a year, so in high school. So that was a lot of fun.
2: Uh-huh. On, on the flip side, <laughs> on the flip side, who was somebody that was um, shall so we say challenging to deal with that uh, surprised you?
1: You're not gonna put him on the spot like
7: oh,
2: that.
7: Oh, So a guy so a guy it like surprised me as him being difficult. Yes. Um, how do I put this? Let's say um uh Jay Coker is good people. I can't say that about all quarterbacks um, that may or may not have played in the SEC that are from the state.
1: I don't I know exactly who you're talking
7: about.
2: <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about, she, too. You,
1: you worded that without just totally rearing back and slugging somebody. Okay, final question. I asked Lars this yesterday. Who's the better college football quarterback, Tim Tebow
7: or Stetson Bennett? Is it the fourth? Uh, I would say Tim Tebow. I argued for years that Tim Tebow was the greatest college quarterback I ever saw. Until Cam Newton stepped on the field at Auburn, uh, Tim Tebow had an ability to will his team to win. Uh, he was just that good. He was just that determined. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the skill level clearly, based on his NFL career, I'm not sure <laughs> uh, his uh, uh, his skill level was where it needed to be. But he did he did just enough to, to, to inspire. And I just don't think you can you, you can look at that in a way, grade that in a way that's uh, substantial, right? I mean, you just I don't know how you grade that. So, from, from, I would say, Tim Tebow without hesitation over Stetson, but I would say, if Cam Newton was the quarterback uh, for multiple years, he would have seen multiple championships at some university, and that was a shame they didn't do anything on Cam Newton in that Florida stock at all. Travesty.
1: Mark, the clickbait Heim joins us <laughs> on Pigman Sports. Hey, Mark, thanks. Have a great afternoon. And By the way, you can also hear him in the Mobile area. I'm sure you can dial him up and stream just like you do this show WNSP.
7: In- Absolutely. Hey, thank enjoyed you, it. And I've been called worse, so try harder next time. Thank
2: <laughs> Mark, Mark, okay. you. Mark, you, seriously, you're, you're one of our favorite guests. Yeah, uh, you thank you so job. much. Oh, appreciate
1: it, guys. Enjoy it. Uh, he does do a great job. Speaking of clickbait, There was one that I just happened to see this morning scrolling through whatever site I was on that is the worst ever, and I would never click on it. I'll share that with you when we get back on Big Noon Sports.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Blistering heat continues for the rest of the week. A sunny sky this afternoon. The high today near 100. For tonight, clear with the low at 78. And tomorrow and Friday, lots of sunshine both days. Highs will stay close to 100 degrees. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 100 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Is heard, James Spann, the weatherman. It is 100 degrees. Yay, we hit the century mark. Boo, we hit the century mark. I'm looking up to see what it feels like. It's 110. That's all. Alright, Lars. Nebraska's looking okay right now, isn't it? Um, <laughs> hey, uh, also, before James Spann, uh, we heard Reagan from R&R talk about uh, the Cigar Mansion. And they're a sponsor of this show. Big shout out to them. Just real quick, the first time I went down there was the day of the Tennessee game. And Reagan said, come down here, pick out a stick, and let me pour you a little glass of bourbon. And that's exactly what happened. But I didn't really know. You don't know what to expect. You turn left on the 6th Street, and then there literally is, I'm assuming it's an antebellum home. It's probably 150, 160 years old. It's got the columns and all that. And it's what I would call an old southern mansion. And uh, it's got two floors, and you've got uh, leather many leather-bound books. Sorry, that just popped into my bed. But, uh, <laughs> you remember that? From Ron,
2: Ron Burgundy, Burgundy. yes.
4: <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. Very impo- I'm sorry. very
2: important, uh,
4: yes. I'm kind of
2: a big deal. Yeah, yeah anyway, oh,
1: that's the line. Yeah. Uh, Great, and he we smoked a cigar and and had a small glass of bourbon and it's just it's a great place to go uh i'm sure women like it but it's it's you know it's kind of a guy's place am i getting trouble for saying that but i've seen women in there too women smoke cigars a lot more than you'd think but anyway i know you've been there you like it and uh i'll be down there this uh a lot this fall as i'm gonna help out with some of the tide postgame stuff so all right now here's the story justin turn your mic on pull up a chair I saw this this morning. Are you inclined to click on this story if the headline is as follows? Megan Rapino sends clear message to Taylor Swift.
3: Um, I am actually inclined to go outside
1: maybe and turn off mine. <laughs> I'm not a big Megan Rapino fan. Not even close. I just, I would run like a scalded dog. Nothing about that interests me.
2: Lars, are you a big Taylor Swift guy, or? Um, no, I'm not. Uh, are you clicking I think I think story? I sh- I think I should be, though. Like, her tour that she's on right now is is, is generating just incredible buzz. And just every stop she goes to, I mean, I, Justin, you'll, you'll have to help me out with this, but... Uh, Wouldn't you say that she's the biggest celebrity in America right now?
3: Yeah, she definitely is. Her tour is, I think, the
2: hardest. You know, we were talking about
3: um, SEC football tickets, which are, like, the hardest to get. Taylor Swift has them all be, I I think, all over the country selling out.
1: and, is Kim in there chiming in? Does she know? Is she there? Will she read this story?
5: No, that, that's uh, JD.
3: He's he's agreeing. Okay. He's they're selling tickets like uh. crazy.
5: And I, like do,
1: the, she's like the Beatles, and I, I that's blasphemous. Well,
2: I, I I've, you almost feel bad for her. You know, she uh, I forget where she was. Was it in Memphis? Maybe said this is all over social media that she went uh, just to a restaurant to try to you know have have a dinner. And word got out, traveled over social media, and just for her to get out of that restaurant required uh, a a ton of uh, this, uh, not only personal security, but uh, uh, police officers. And as she's just trying to make her way from the door to the limo or whatever SUV that she was climbing into, I bet you we saw like uh, I don't know there was like two three thousand people there and everybody's got their phones. Every, every, yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, Justin, do you, did you see this?
3: Um, could you say that like again, Lars? The uh, Taylor Swift at the restaurant—is that what you're referring to?
2: Yeah, yeah. Did you see that on I social did. media? I
3: think it is, somebody saw her and, and texted it or tweeted it out, and immediately yeah. that street was filled. I. I I couldn't imagine. It's so hard to go places like that.
2: Yeah. And, I mean... Well, I, you know, whenever I go out with Matt, there's always at least one or two That's people. Not true. That is so true. You know it's true. It's totally true every single time. And you are very generous. And um, even if you don't recognize a person, you act like you do. You're you're really nice about it. And uh, I've never uh, it's, I've it's never seen flattering. you be rude. Yeah, it's flattering. Yeah. Now, yes.
1: here's the one thing about that: uh, if you are with your family, respect that. OK, if you're eating a meal and sitting at a table full of people, respect that. And I get the feeling people don't do that anymore. There were like thousands of people trying to just what? What are they trying to do? Get a picture?
2: They're just trying to take, get a picture. Yeah. Try to take a
1: cell phone? And say,
2: what yeah. are you going to do with it? it at, put it, it over your av-
1: fireplace? Just, uh, I
2: don't get it. Uh, yeah. And I just think it, it, it makes life Really hard, right? Because she cannot have a normal life, and uh, I, I think just this celebrity it can really. Um, I mean, I've seen it with uh, with just you know people that I've I've covered. By the way, it's not like know. you don't
1: get recognized too. They're big fella.
2: Well, yeah, every once in a while, but not 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 like you. You're mm-hmm. you're the legend here in Alabama. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just. Uh, I don't know. It it, it it changes you, and it uh, it it probably I'm guessing makes it hard for her to have normal relationships and just do normal things, and 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 you you surrender so much, and uh, and I have uh, you know spent time again with like very very famous people, and and a few have lamented to me like. I don't know if, if I could do it all over again, even though I've had all this, this success. I don't know if I'd do it again.
1: There's nothing normal about their lives. Nothing, nothing at all. Yeah. That's
2: tough, but so... Sorry, that, uh, rest, that restaurant was in New Jersey, and uh, it was just... Uh, it, the, the scene was just absolutely uh, crazy. Crazy. Um, and she was actually attending a, uh, a wedding rehearsal dinner, and but it was uh, somebody yeah, just... saw her. social yep.
1: media flash. Yep. Uh, your privacy is no longer around. Uh, it's too bad. Uh, but man, is that girl wealthy? Whoo! Uh, great headline I saw concerning Taylor Swift, which you had to be pretty darn old to remember and understand the significance of this said i'm just waiting for taylor swift to say she's better than the beatles and that goes back to tommy charles and doug layton burning beatles albums there's one person listening to the show right now knows what i'm talking about hey tomorrow <laughs> one of our favorite players in alabama marquise mays is going to be with us tomorrow on the show have a great day lars you guys have a great day just
5: Buckner here for